Welcome to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. Thanks for joining us today as we continue wrapping up our series on The End Times Prophecies. Here's Ray. Hi, I'm Ray Sturdivant. We're studying the end times, and today I'm here with my good friends John Lay and Danny Jacobs. Welcome, guys. Hey, Ray. Glad to be here. Glad you're here as well. So last time we talked a lot about the seed of flesh, seed of promise, and today I just wanted to kick off our discussion with the fact that Jesus Christ came to the earth as the seed of promise. He's the ultimate fulfillment Mm. of the seed of promise, as we saw last time in Genesis 3.15. But I wanted to read a couple of other prophecies uh, that relate to that. Uh, The real famous one from Isaiah 9.6 that we hear a lot at Christmas. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Another prophecy is found in Psalm 2.6. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten thee. So there's a couple of uh, the prophecies. You know, there's Mm -hmm. over well over 300 prophecies that Christ fulfilled with his first uh, coming. And then there are hundreds more that he will fulfill when he comes again. So any does that stir any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And my thought is, is that that Isaiah passage mm-hmm. is read best by Charlie Brown, of course. <laughs> you know, I wonder, Gray, to bring it a little more closer to home. Right. If uh, the, the Jewish people, if they hear Charlie Brown read that statement and, you know, he's talking about Christ, do they, who do they attribute that to? I mean, we look at it as, you know, Christians uh, believing Jesus fulfills all those prophecies. I mean, how do they process these 300 prophecies? Do they think we just have lots of chutzpah for saying that? Well, they would certainly think you have a lot of chutzpah, but, you know, the uh, the Jews believe that their Messiah is still yet to have come. And so they don't believe that Jesus has fulfilled any of those prophecies. So their Messiah is yet future. And I want to read from Job 19, one of my favorite passages. It's Job 19, 25 through 27, and it reveals how much... Job knew about the coming Messiah. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Mm -hmm. He is said to predate Abraham, and yet he knew end times prophecy. It it amazes me. And we'll start in verse 25. And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes shall see, and not another. My heart faints within me. Think about this. So Job knew his Redeemer lived. He knew he needed a Savior. He knew that uh, Jesus, Messiah, was alive and well. And in the last, he will take his stand on earth. We know from other prophecies that Jesus will physically take Mm. a stand on the Mount of Olives to defeat the Antichrist. Job knew all of this. No scripture was written before Job. So this was direct revelation from God to Job. And then he says, even after my skin is destroyed, Job knows this is going to take place after he is dead. Yet from my flesh I shall see God. So he knows he's going to be resurrected in the last days and actually watch this event personally. 
uh, and, and he says, I shall see God, meaning the Messiah is God. That's Jesus. Uh, whom, I, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eye shall see and not another. In this phrase, my heart faints within me is an excitement. He's like so excited he's about to jump out of his skin. That, that blows me away that he knows he knew his Messiah personally. He knew in the last days that he would take a physical stand on this earth to defeat his enemies and that Job would be dead and resurrected and view the whole event, and it got him fired up. Wow, we should have the same uh, fired up at this. <laughs> yes. It reminds me of that argument, though, of <clears throat> that the to be asleep mm-hmm. uh, in death, I guess, because it, it seems that that passage seems to... Uh, reinforce the idea that when you're when you pass on, when you die mm-hmm. uh, in your flesh, that you're not that you don't see God right away until the that resurrection time. No, no, I think he is saying that Jesus is God, and he's going to view the whole event with his own eyes. Uh, the Old Testament saints believe, but it's not were... necessarily that that he won't see Jesus until then. No, no, it's just saying this physical event, I'm going to get to witness. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see God come to earth and witness it in my resurrection body. He's not saying that he's not with God until then. He's just saying, I, I know this is coming, and I get to witness this in my resurrection body, and I am so excited that I'm about to go nuts. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. Sort of like the thief on the cross when Jesus says to him, today you will see me in paradise. Right. And that's yeah. what they call, they call it Abraham's bosom or paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you die, you are in paradise. So he's just talking about the, the physical end time event that he's going to get to witness. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we will be back in a few. You've been listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, you can email us at ray at miningthetruth.com. Also, we'd like to ask that you take a minute and prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. And if God has prompted you to do so, just go to miningthetruth.com and click donate. Thanks again for listening. Now back to Ray. Hey, we're back from the break and back with John and Danny. And, you know, I just wanted to cover uh, another very telling passage that is revealed when the Jews are rejecting Jesus when he was here on earth. You know, they did not believe that he was the Messiah. Mm. There's a very telling passage in Matthew I wanted to read. Matthew 23, 37 through 39. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a very amazing passage because Jesus is basically telling them that the glory of God that dwelt in the temple is no longer once he once Jesus is crucified and resurrected, it now transfers the glory of God now indwells us. We are the temple. Anyone who receives Jesus, we are called our body is called the temple. Uh, 
So the indwelling is now in individuals mm-hmm. versus a building. So Jesus was saying, you're rejecting me, and the, and you will seek my presence in the temple, and it won't be there anymore. It's being left to you desolate. And he is also saying that until all of Israel turns to him, you won't see him again. When he says, uh, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's a prophetic passage where Israel cries out for Jesus, and he returns to save them. Wow, you gave us a lot there. Sorry. <laughs> That's good. Well, let me let me just kind of back up a little bit. First of all, you're talking about how the glory of God dwells in the temple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking here's this omnipresent God, and he's everywhere and glorious beyond compare. How could that dwell in a temple? Well, it's the same way that it uh, indwells us as individuals. If you recall, Moses asked for God's presence to go with them. Okay. And that's God's promise. And it appeared to them as a uh, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so when Moses would go in, he called it the tent of meeting. That's where he would meet the presence of God. And that's where he would have conversations with God. God spoke of Moses as someone that he spoke to as a man face to face. So Moses would have an encounter with God. And I think that's available to us. So we as can, believers, I think we have an encounter with God in our okay. soul, and you know that's that's where we encounter the presence of God. All right, you you said that Jesus will return after the Jewish people say, "Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord." What in the world does that look like? Well, I think it's a progressive turning of Jews recognizing that Jesus is Messiah. And there's a passage, I can't quote it exactly, out of out of Jeremiah, where it talks about they will look on him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him uh, like an only son. They're going to realize that their forefathers crucified Jesus, and he was the Messiah, and they cry out for his help. So do you see this happening today in any way whatsoever? Well, there's been great... Uh, exceptions to this throughout history. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, the the early church mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of Jewish believers. But we know that in the last 50 years, you know, today there is estimated over 13 million Jews, mm-hmm. and there are estimated to be over a million Messianic Jews, which are uh, Jewish folks who have received Christ as Savior. Wow. And 50 years ago, there was only estimated about 100,000. So we are seeing a wonderful trend. And what is amazing is when a Jewish person who really knows the Scriptures receives mm. Christ, boy, they are, <laughs> you know, they really get it on a level we don't. So, uh, you know, we're very thankful for uh, our Jewish fellow believers. It's sort of like the uh, walk to Emmaus that Jesus did with the two believers, uh, two non-believers, I guess you could say, after his his death, and they were walking towards Emmaus, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes alongside them and starts explaining with the prophets and Moses and everything the prophecies about him. Yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine what it's like you, if you know if you think about Paul knowing Scripture the way that he did, <laughs> and then having the Damascus Road experience. Uh, his his. The, the detail that mm-hmm. he knew Scripture mm-hmm. and seeing how Jesus fulfilled it, we, we can only guess at. Wow. So, I mean, at the same time that all this was going on, then you have the destruction of the temple, mm-hmm. and then you have the diaspora happening. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as John was saying earlier, that 
you know, all of our lives, there's always been a nation of Israel. Mm, mm. So, I mean, that kind of, I mean, that kind of history and everything really does reinforce the end times that we're in the end times now because it meets prophecies. They have returned back to Israel. Yeah, it really is. We're we're kind of we are spoiled because, like you said, in our lifetimes. The nation of Israel has existed, right. but yet in 70 A.D., after the uh, you know after Christ predicted that he was leaving their house desolate, yeah, and then he was resurrected, the uh, destruction of the temple in Jerusalem left the Jewish people without a true expression of their religion because it was based on animal sacrifice. Right, the right. only place you could do it is at the temple, right. so that's destroyed. And they had no homeland anymore because it was occupied. So they were basically the term diaspora means they were scattered to the nations. Wow. And so they were there until 1948. And we <laughs> forget that because unless you're uh, an older codger than I am, uh, the nation of Israel has always existed. So, And we, basically there was nothing before that, actually. I mean, there wasn't a recognizable government before the nation of Israel. No, it was a series. I mean, that's a lot of what the Crusades were about. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, it was controlled by Islam for a while. The Crusades come in. I mean, it has been uh, just in constant turmoil all these years until they were given a national homeland in 1948. Wow. So, and we believe that that's a fulfillment of the dry bones prophecy in Ezekiel. So it's we really uh, are kind of probably immune to how miraculous it is mm-hmm. that they have come back into the land and established a nation and survived all of the relentless attacks from their Arab neighbors. Yeah. So, you know that's that's why we believe we're close. That's all the time, speaking of close, that we have today. And I'm Ray Sturdivant, Mining the Truth. Thanks for listening to Mining the Truth with Ray Sturdivant. If you have questions or comments for us, email us right here at ray at miningthetruth.com. We welcome your comments and hope you'll join us next time for more of End Time Prophecies.